0: To down miffed to dunk. And peeved. Yeah. Um, miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. that's it's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real one. I don't use it, but it's not in your vocabulary? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. Mr. is your Schleck, for part of dailythunder.com. Also, we're on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, as always on Mondays, Michele Barra. Michele, what is up? It's been a sort of good week
1: uh, for, uh, for OKC, so everything is perfect, I guess. Yeah. Well, at, sort of.
0: <laughs> at least the last two games have been good. Uh, the Thunder yeah. took care of business last night. Uh, against the Dallas Mavericks, 112-99. to uh, The Thunder had a really slow start last night. It felt like you were headed for like another like grind it out to the end and then probably lose in the fourth quarter because the Thunder done that in every close game. Uh, but they blew the doors off the Mavs in the third quarter with Russ and Paul George both going for 16, and then they pretty much coasted for, from there. Uh, they beat the Clippers on Friday night and they the clippers were really thin that night um mm-hmm. they they were without gallinari they were without patrick beverly and so they were having to play uh, a couple rookies and you know honestly it's like a game that they should have expected to win but because they were on a four game skid it felt like i don't know it was it was odd but they ended up pulling that one out um but what are, your, what are your thoughts on the way the Thunder have played? They, they lost to the Nuggets and they lost to Sacramento and to Portland. Uh, it was a really bad stretch of basketball for them, but they seem to be pulling out of that. Uh, but what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the state of the Thunder right now? So my,
1: my point of view on this is the following. Um, it's okay to lose when you don't do what you're supposed to. Uh, I think it's even beneficial at this point uh it's not like some losses that we had last year where they they did everything they could and it wasn't enough um in this week we we learned that when they play the right way they are on par with the best teams i guess um I think and uh, when they don't do that it's almost immediate they they cannot score so wait, mm. when they don't move the ball when they uh, when they are stagnant on offense where when they uh, go heavy iso uh, in the first 15 16 seconds of the possession they they are not a good team and uh, no matter how how much they try uh, on defense they will not be able to score on basically anyone because it's really too stagnant and uh, even the worst defense can like can adjust to that. On the other end, when they when they are rolling, they are really really good. So, I think that this is the tale of this week and the Clippers game was the probably um uh, it was the one where this thing was on display because in the fourth quarter they reverted to isolations and basically the Clippers uh, cut down the lead to I, I think they 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 tied the game they did, uh, yeah. at some point. On an awesome
0: first uh, three, I think. Yeah, it was 103 probably
1: or something like that and then they they started to play again uh the clutch time offense was good uh, the clutch time defense was even better probably and and it really showed that when they are focused when they are trying to run stuff they can be uh, amazingly good and so, I think that the positive is this one. The, the negative, of course, is that in this kind of uh, NBA, uh, you have to win games in order to be good. So, uh, at a certain point, they they have to cut down these um, moments where they where they don't play.
0: Yeah, it, with without a doubt. And it was funny. It's it's been funny the past couple of the ga- past couple of games when uh, the Thunder do go to isolation and they've missed a ton of shots. But I've been like actively yeah. rooting for them to miss shots in isolation just so they can see it in the film and like see it in the stat sheets and all those things because it has been detrimental to this team and it's really frustrating because you can see that when they and it's not that they have to do anything complicated. You make one player makes one cut, one screen is set. I mean no one's asking for them to be You know the the Warriors or the Jazz or any team like that where there's this ball movement and they're you know swinging it from side to side. The Thunder don't have to do that to be an effective offense, but they do need to move some and they need to set you know a screen or two. They need to have some off ball movement and that creates an easy shot very simply. So it's I don't I don't think the Thunder. I think that they can have a really great offense and I think that they will just because it doesn't take all that much to generate a good shot for them. Yeah. And
1: uh, I mean, uh, I'll try to um, to discuss a simple, very simple play and maybe then we can draw something for and put it on Twitter or somewhere. Yeah. Um, they did it, I think, uh, two or three times against the Clippers and for sure uh, a couple of times against Dallas, where uh, Abrinas and Paul George were running uh, baseline and one of the two was screening for the other. And this play is borderline unguardable if you have two good shooters and two good um, uh, players that can that can run off screens. And Alex and, and Paul George are very good at that. And so the defense has to commit immediately because you you you, you can't lose uh, neither of the two and you immediately create space. And they use it twice for George and once for Abrinas and they were open shot all the time. So and again, it's one screen and probably another pin down for the one who actually makes the the cut, so it, it's really as you said, it's really simple, but it's beautiful in the same time because you 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 use the the strengths of these two players, which are great shooter of the catch, and the defense has to stay honest. And again, it's it's really simple, but they use it a couple of time and. That thing got Paul George going, uh, together with a good corner three created by a rust driving kick. So if you if you put your shooters uh, on a roll immediately, that will help you. Because then the flow of the game starts to basically carry... Uh, I mean, when you, when you play uh, a good flow, things get really easier on offense. As you see, uh, we, we saw it last night on the third quarter, Every, everyone was moving, uh, the shots were falling. And the, basically the offense can take care of themselves then. But you have to you have to start this process, and you can do that with again with simple action. And and probably if you do that for your best shooters, that is a plus because I mean uh, we all seen uh, Paul George in the last two games was incredibly amazing, and um, and the quality of shots he, he got is I, I think it was the key for getting him going.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. A huge thanks to Andy's frozen custard for sponsoring today's show. You can go check out the locations. There's five locations in Oklahoma, two in Oklahoma City, and then three in the Tulsa area. We also have uh, locations in Colorado and Texas. Um, There's one coming to Kansas soon. Uh, Missouri, they're all over Missouri. So go check out Andy's Frozen Custard if you haven't yet because it's absolutely delicious. One of the reasons that it is so good is because they make their custard fresh. By the hour. And so you can go watch it being made through the window. I like to take my kids there and they'll uh, hold them up and they get to watch this frozen custard being made. And it's so, so good. They have the chocolate and the vanilla. Uh, You can get concretes. I like to get the Oreo concrete in the chocolate custard with a little bit of mint added in. Ooh, so good. Right now, this pumpkin pie concrete. Like, if you listen to the show, you know about it. And I don't know why you haven't gone to get one yet. Because you just take a piece of they take a piece of pumpkin pie and they put it in a cup and then they add the vanilla frozen custard to it, mix it all together. It's so good. You got the crust in there. You got the pie. It's ooh, it's so good. You got to check out Andy's frozen custard today. Please support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat Andy's frozen custard. Uh, a few just kind of general advanced stats for the Thunder. They're uh, fourth in net rating quite a bit behind the top three golden state has a 14.4 net rating houston and the celtics are tied with eight and then the thunder at 5.6 uh they're still second in defensive rating at a 98.5 which is like crazy elite uh and then offensively they had been 22nd um but they are up to 16th at 104.1 so like all those, like indicate that the Thunder are still a really good team, and it's not their record is not indicative of the type of team that they are. Um, and as you all know, it's because of the close games that the Thunder have played mm-hmm. and that they've lost all of them. Um, so that's been kind of interesting. Uh, another kind of storyline that <clears throat> I think has emerged after last night is: May are the Thunder? And I don't. I'm going to go ahead and preface this. I don't believe the statement's true. But are the Thunder a better team without Carmelo Anthony? I mean, uh, this is basically a question
1: that someone also asked to Fred in his last episode of um, The Thunder After Dark. Mm -hmm. And I think that his answer was uh, on point because he said probably if you... if you give um, Russ and George the majority of the shots, or if you if you take out Melo for a couple of games now, you can probably be better off now. But that is no longer true if you can um, try to include him in uh, in your in your offense and in your schemes come playoff time. And this is the only thing important for OKC to be ready when the game counts. Yeah, So um, I think that yes, OKC okay, uh, could have had a better start of the season without Melo, sure. Um, but I, I I do think that Melo will help this team because I was looking at um, some advanced stats for Melo and he's taking seven catch and shoot um, shots a game. Mm-hmm. This is not bad for Melo. I mean, he's taking a ton of jumpers. I know that. But... He's crazy efficient on those catch-and-shoot situations, and so I, I really think that uh, seeing how this team play without him and seeing Paul George running in the second unit, I think he will—and the like last game he played against the Clippers, he kind of did that—he will gradually— Go into this catch and shoot uh, guy with with his uh, isolations for sure, but less uh, less of those. And maybe, and that would be like incredibly good uh, if the Thunder could give him isolation with when everything else uh, didn't work. So if you give Melo ISO with eight eight nine seconds in the clock, that that is completely fine because the last eight seconds of the of the shot clock are um, they don't have a great. Um, Say Offenses are not good in, in in that time span And so if you give Melo a shot Then it, it may be uh, an okay Shot to take and so I think that There is space for Isomelo just not for uh, the, When the possessions start
0: Yeah I agree with that I just think that the adjustment period is Going to be longer with Melo uh, But ultimately it allows the Thunder To put their best five players on the floor At the same time which is mm-hmm. the problem That the Thunder had last year and even the year Before is that you can't Put Ennis scanner in with the starters, and that I think that just that and alone is a huge. It's a huge flaw of the roster, and now they have they can put your best five players on the floor, and you can add whatever wing, whether it be uh, Alex Sabrina's or Robertson, or you can even put Patrick Patterson in there and grow big. It just gives them so many options, and right now it might look like the Thunder are worse with Mellow. Uh, but that's just a product of the adjustment period, and I think you've seen over the past two games, one where Mello didn't play, another where Melo only took 12 shots, that it looks like the team is best when he takes a back seat or <laughs> or is not there, uh, but it, basically, this team is at their best when Paul George can be like the primary scorer, uh, Russ can initiate offense and dictate pace, and then Mello can be a spot up guy, or like a finisher, like you suggested, so I think that that kind of pecking order makes a lot of sense, and really, until Russell Westbrook can get it going on the offensive end and start making shots and uh, make his free throws, uh, I think that that is definitely what's best for OKC. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I completely agree with that, and I think there's a chance that in the end, uh, these are these will be the the. the um, uh, like how okay OKC plays, mm-hmm. uh, at least I hope so. And M- Melo is a smart player, so I, I, I don't think like taking a back, a back seat is something that he can accept directly. Yeah. But he can be gradually, as I said before, gradually jail uh, uh, in that uh, kind of role, mm-hmm. and he can thrive on, on that because he can he can make like twenty twenty five by taking like fifteen shots. Yeah. And as soon as he realized that, I mm-hmm. think he will be okay with that. Yeah,
0: and and Russ had like a miserable first half last night. Uh, Oh yeah, he he got it going in the third quarter. Uh, He was twelve of thirteen from the free throw line, which is really great for him. He finished with twenty seven points on eighteen shots, which is a lot better efficiency than he had been. That's basically because he just was just unconscious in the third quarter. Uh, His assist numbers were down. He only had five assists, six boards. I don't think all that stuff matters that much. It's because. You know, Paul George had five assists, and Jeremy Grant ended up with three, and Robertson had two, and Ray Felton came off the bench and was was okay last night too. Um, the the Thunder wings played really well last night. Like the Thunder, like big men slash wings played really well last mm-hmm. night in Mello's absence. Josh Eustis played twenty two minutes. He hit three threes. He was three seven overall from three last night. Uh, Patrick Patterson probably had his best game with the Thunder, finished with seven points and four rebounds, and uh, was spry on the defensive end. Uh, So those are encouraging. Jeremy Grant came in and started and gave really good minutes for the Thunder. He played 34 minutes, ended up with 10 points, eight boards, three assists, a steal, and a block. It's like, wow, you can't really ask much more than that from Jeremy Grant. Uh, He only took one three and he missed it. Uh, but he continues to impress with the skill set that he has uh, but what are your what are your thoughts on on any of those guys and, and the night they had last night I mean I, I think that you said it all but um, I think that
1: Grant uh, is continuously improving his game. Uh, As we discussed with Jay uh, in the last episode, I think he still lack of some uh, awareness on offense uh, and also on defense. Uh, And this is his main problem because if he can... um, if he can make uh, a good pass from a double team or if he can uh, learn how to uh, set a screen with good, good good timing and good contact with the opponent, he will be like an incredibly valuable player that probably would not play in OKC because of the salary situation mm-hmm. of the Thunder. But uh, And the same can apply to, to use this actually, uh, because the more I, I, I see him playing, I, I really don't understand why they, um, they decided not to confirm his... Uh, Rookie option because this kind of player uh, for two millions you you will not get him in free agency, and yes I know the, uh, the tax implication of that, but um, having having like a, a player that can can score from three and last night he really showed that, and I think um, he will. Showed more of that if uh, if they gave him the opportunity to do so, and he he was good on defense. It was just good. He, he made a lot of fouls. Part was uh, like some rookie calls. Part was real uh, were real fouls. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I mean, his switchability is so important that uh, I mean, I will give him like more minutes uh, every night uh, because he, he he can really provide um, like some. Some part of the like a, tree, a real 3 and D game. So uh, I was really impressed by Josh last night. And um, I'm still struggling with Abrinas because I would love to see him more involved in the offensive end. But at least he's providing so much space for other guys. That is um, is a key to me uh, for, uh, for this team, even if he's not taking as many shots as I would love him to, to take.
0: Yeah, with Abrinas, it doesn't feel like they're looking for him all that often. I mean, there were, even in the Clippers game where he was probably the most involved he's been all season, there was a couple plays even by Paul George where they just kind of looked him off and he's wide open in the corner. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was odd. And I, I think, I mean, as a part of like this feeling out process with this team, I think some of that is also just figuring out that Alex Sabrinas is an elite three-point shooter um, that can generate points uh, quickly for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that you know they can look at the the tape from the Clippers game and uh, you know figure out that he's very valuable to this team. And I think they know that. I just think that it's just going to take time to be able to institute that ball movement and the player movement that they want. And he's and he's basically only valuable to this team if they're doing those things um, mm-hmm. because if it's just isolation ball. He just stands there like everybody else and just watches people shoot. And, like, you're just completely misusing Alex Sabrinas at that point. <laughs> There's, like, no, no point to him being on the court if he's just, like, standing there. I know he provides spacing, but still, like, the dude can really shoot it. And I would, you know, Josh Houston put up seven threes last night. Like, why, why can't Alex Sabrinas do that? You know, like, he took one three pointer last night. The best three point shooter on the team, um, probably next to Paul George, uh, took one three. Like that's there's a there's a problem with that, and if they're finding Josh, like why can't they find Alex? Like I don't get that. Yeah, uh, last night I think uh,
1: there was a defensive issue with with Alex uh, sure. because he was not good on defense uh, against uh, Dallas uh, Dallas playmakers, and so uh, last night I, I think I would go with that explanation. Um, but yeah, I mean the spacing thing, as Matt Craig um, uh, wrote on Daily Thunder is good if you if you actually use uh, the the guy who was supposed to give you spacing right. because if if you go like five possession in a row without passing to a defense will notice that and so they will not uh, treat uh, alex as a shooter because if the pass is not there then the threat is not there and so you have to balance your offense i know that it is hard because you have like great scorers and you want to to get them hot as soon as possible but to to give like alex uh, a run um, not just a, a, as a finalizer, but at least you can run him uh, off a screen and then he can create from that. And so I, I think that, yes, Alex should uh, take more possessions uh, on offense, provided that he can actually stay on the, on the court, um, on, the, on the defensive side.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, another storyline that's emerged is Stephen Adams has been out with uh, a calf contusion for the past two games. And in his stead, rookie Dakari Johnson has come in uh, surprisingly and also surprisingly he played well like he's been he's been fine he played really well against DeAndre Jordan on Friday night uh, which is just a, such a shock to me like I just didn't think that he would be any good but he finishes uh, nine points and a rebound two assists he really kept DeAndre off the offensive boards he uses his size really well he sets really nice screens because he does have a big body and he does make <laughs> good contact on those screens and uh he he was impressive like i just i just think that if he can give you anything like if he can prove that he can be a backup center that you don't have to even use every night i think that's a huge win for this thunder team because i thought that he was just kind of a useless piece on the back of the bench that would be out of the league in a couple years but it looks like he can be a serviceable you know backup big against certain matchups yeah, I mean uh, the key to me was um was that I mean
1: Dakari was ready to play. Uh he he wasn't lost on offense and that is really important because he was as you said uh he sat like um good screens um great screen at times uh, to free up george and part of the 42 uh, explosion uh, from george was because of johnson uh, of the carry johnson uh, good screens uh, pin down especially mm-hmm. and um, on the other end we have to say that against dallas he was probably worse uh, than against the clippers because of how ma- how, ma- how many pick and rolls uh, dallas was running uh, with him uh, as a as a defender, and I think he's not ready to defend those kind of picking and rolls. And if he cannot defend one with uh, with Dennis Smith, which is good but not great, uh, then he he will not be able to stay on the floor against good picking roll uh, point guards like Lowry or uh, Curry or um, whoever. Oh. Um, but on the other end, he showed against one of the most physical front line to held his ground. So I think that playing him against some second unit uh, prolific scorer makes sense because the Thunder sometimes can can go down uh, if on the other end, like against Denver, uh, there is a huge front line. Um, like Plumlee is not a great center, but he has size. And so if you can match up that size for five to six minutes just to give the, uh, the defense a break, I think he can be extremely helpful in this sense because, yes, he has size. He will not be a minus offensively because he can actually eat something from like uh, five to ten feet. And so, I mean, I think you have a really good chance uh, to to have a few minutes here and there uh, to play him and to to keep him warm, uh, per se, during the season.
0: Yeah. And I thought, you know, last night was kind of a weird matchup. At least to start with for him, because mm-hmm. they're playing Dirk and Harrison Barnes as their bigs, and he really probably can't defend either of them very well. But I thought he did okay. When um, they should be starting Nerlens Noel or at least playing him some, but he's like yeah. deeply. That is a in the weird house. Isn't that so weird?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. I mean, he
0: he he
1: said him and his agent probably screwed up. Like if they really had seventeen millions on the on the table. Um, I think they, they really, uh, it's, it's, it's not like a, um, it's a rip, uh, like a rumor. I'm not sure if that was true. Uh, but if so, like they really, uh, messed up, uh, with, uh, with Dallas
0: right now, it looks like that if he had 12 million on the table, he should have taken it. I mean, oh yeah, like oh, what's yeah. his, what's his value going to be if Rick Carlisle does this to him all season? Like what are teams like what do you do with that when you get to the offseason oh I don't think
1: they give him the full MLE. well maybe someone but um, I'm not sure it's it's not a hundred percent sure probably yeah. you take your chances if you have space but if you have space then you are probably either you are the Spurs or and then Nelson will be like the uh, a crazy good player coming next year but if you like it's, it's hard for him to, to find a good situation, uh, after this year. Yeah. It could have been like a good situation for him having like a, a good pick and roll guard in Dennis Jr. Like, um, a young team and like a pos- like the opportunity to play good minutes, but apparently that wasn't his plan.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that's super it's, weird. It is weird.
0: Yeah. 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 Rick Carlisle is like a, just a fantastic coach and really good, but then he does weird stuff like this, and it's like, like ah, that's that's really strange. <laughs> he, I mean, Noel must be pretty awful behind the scenes for for it to be like this. Um, or he really embraced tanking like for his first <laughs> for Maybe the first time it. in his career he's like you yeah. are the most helpful team or helpful <laughs> member of this team right now yes you cannot you play all year long yeah. yes, exactly
1: <laughs> and and they are succeeding like they are the worst team in the league and yeah. uh, i mean this draft has well it's it's too early to to discuss that but this draft is sneaky good uh, on the top so if you can land a very good pick and land someone like Doncic, then I, I would do that. Like, Yeah. Uh, Dallas would love Donchich
0: too. They're,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. Actually. Oh, another European that can, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it could be a good story, actually. Yeah, it really could. And Dirk could, you know, mentor him or whatever. And, you know, this season, like, they just get to play Dennis Smith Jr. a ton and then see if they've yeah. got anybody else around him. you know, re- get another really good look at Harrison Barnes and then kind of go from there so it's not it's not the worst thing in the world for this team oh no no um let's see do you want to move on to the this week's matchups i only have two games this week to cover the chicago bulls and the san antonio spurs uh before we move on was there anything else from this past week that you that we missed oh um one thing about last night i think that um
1: at, uh, at some point in the fourth qu- in the third quarter, um there was this uh, that circus shot by by Grant. You yeah. remember the one yeah. But the the action on the defensive side, Russ did a great defensive possession. He put his body against Barnes and forced that turnover. And it it kind of as soon as Russ plays defense and played good plays good defense, the teams the team noticed that, and they are a completely different team. So if he can give, like, uh, like not, not a great effort every night, because you, you cannot expect that from us, but moments in the game when they focus, uh, especially in the clutch, it would be nice to have him in the clutch, but um, somewhere in the game, if he can provide, like, five to ten minutes of good defense, I think that this team will be uh, incredibly, incredibly um, good. Because they, they, they feed like the other players feed of him. And so if he if he can play like good defense for some stretches inside the game, this team is completely different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, something that's kind of interesting from the past two games is that the starting lineup is a plus 13. Uh, that's with Dakari in there in, in place of Stephen Adams. And I think that we can all assume that Stephen Adams is a lot better than Dakari Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that, speaks to the fact that they're having some success and that's good for the starting lineup and you plug steven adams in he does what dakari does but like a a lot better um and so i think i think it's just encouraging that they're starting to kind of figure it out a little bit it's only in 30 or let's see only in 13 minutes together so it's not like a massive sample size or anything like that Mm -hmm. but it's just good that they can get off to a good start um with with the starting lineup when i think there were, with the starters in there were only like a plus 1 or something like that um with Adams mm-hmm. in there so uh, i i think they're they're figuring things out um i think that Mello needs to take a back seat um and you know he took 12 shots i think that that's a good number for him i heard Jackie McMullen on a podcast said that he should take uh, no more than seven shots a game, Carmelo Anthony, and I was just like, that's, oh, no. that's no, pretty no. crazy. Like, If he takes 12 to 15 shots a night rather than 18 to 22 a night, I think that that helps the Thunder a lot and give those shots, all of them, to Paul George.
1: Yeah. I mean, coming to the season, I, I had this thought that Paul George would be the a leading candidate for a, a, like an MVP race for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. And... I really hope that the version of Paul George that we saw in the last two games was the one uh, uh, that we had that, that we have for all, for all seasons long. Yeah. Uh, because I think that if Paul George is your best player scoring wise, it means that the offense is working. It really means that. Mm-hmm. And in the last two games, is a at least a initial confirmation that that can be um, how the Thunder play. Yeah,
0: uh, looking at some two-man lineups. Um, paul george and alex sabrinas are still like, still like a crazy number plus 75 uh and yeah. their minutes together like that's a great combination and then you look at really the top three are with alex sabrinas and that's where yeah, yeah. like my frustrations are set in <laughs> it's like like <laughs> use this use this guy like he he can be a liability on the defensive end yes i totally get that um but for the most part like look at the teams that are like really good in this league a lot of them the teams that are scoring at will, and I just think that when you don't have a wing out there, um, like against Sacramento, like I don't understand why Alex Abrinas didn't play like 25 minutes against the Kings because there's not anybody that's really going to cook him um, on that team, and they can it. He just encourages ball movement. He he gets when he gets open shots, he makes them. I don't know. That's a little frustrating. And then he with Ru- Russell Westbrook a plus 49. He with even Jeremy Grant a plus 46. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so, he provides, I mean,
1: it's, it's the same old story. I mean, if you have, if you have like offensive players that can, that know how to play, then, then, then makes, it makes things easier on offense. And also I think, uh, before I forgot that, um, having George running the second unit yes. will actually increase the chemistry between the two because most likely Alex experience will be out there with him, uh, with the second. And um, I think that, that this could be uh, a thing for the Thunder where these two finds like, rhythm together. Uh, they can even run some pick-and-roll together uh, with Alex as a screener mm-hmm. um, because that pick-and-pop with Russ was, I think, one of the best uh, action they ran last season and I don't know why it's not there anymore. Well, I know why, but uh, I hope uh, they, they will go back to that. Um, yeah, so... I really think that having Eustis and the Britney's out there together as a floor spacers, Eustis can cover a lot of ground on defense with Paul George. uh, I think the second union has a tons of combination that that my that may work uh, better than the one with Melo, which was basically iso Melo when when it works, it's great when it doesn't uh, it's abysmal so mm-hmm. i think that the second unit could be more balanced uh, uh, from this point of view
0: yeah yeah because you just you live and die with mellow when he's yeah. out there and then like george like he he doesn't have to have the ball on every possession uh which i don't think is like the worst thing in the world you let ray felton try to create something and try to get Abrinas or Jeremy Grant involved a little bit. And then uh, Paul George can score at will when he wants to on that second unit. So less predictability, better defense. Uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense that Billy made that move. Um, and then Patrick Patterson, like he has continued to struggle. He probably had his best game last night. But when you look at two-man combos, he and Robertson are in all of the top five worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean he skipped basically
1: a good chunk of the of the initial games because yeah. of his injuries. Uh so and also all training camp. Um so I, I really think that now he's starting to find his footing. He looked more energized on the court. Uh last night he did a couple of defensive possessions that were really uh on point. Uh so I, I think that Patterson will improve. Uh it's it's good to have them uh shaking out and better prepared. Coming March or April. Another two things that I um, I I had in mind uh, looking at some game. I wonder uh, how is their physical preparation because they they really looked heavy. Uh, uh, in the last 10 games, mm. heavy on their feet. So I wonder if that is a, again, strategy to increase the workload now to, 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 like to decrease that, uh, in February, March. And, um, because they really, also Paul George looked heavy, uh, looked heavy, um, at different points, uh, during games. And, and the other, and another thing is, uh, that is completely different, but it can, to come back to the Melo thing, having Melo paired with Russ, decreases his opportunity to handle the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is beneficial uh, to to his um, sort of spot-up role that he has to learn. Because Russ uh, will find him as soon as he has space. Um, And also Russ will will handle the ball a lot. And so the opportunity for Melo to go full
0: ISO uh, are, are at least less. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's helped Paul George catch a rhythm that he really didn't feel like he could uh in the in the first you know ten games or so, but he he looks good now. Uh let's move on to the Chicago Bulls, who the Thunder have already played this season. They held them to sixty-nine points in the first game. Uh this is a really bad team, McKelly. They're thirtieth in net rating. <clears throat> They're the worst offensive team uh in the NBA. Their offensive rating is ninety three point eight. I mean, that is just abysmal. And their defensive rating, where are they at? They're 20th in defense at 106.1. Uh, the Thunder should handle this team. Uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of Terrence Ferguson um, that night just because I, I think they should they should just crush this team and they should probably sit out Adams another game just to make sure that oh, yeah. he's 100% healthy because they have a much tougher opponent on Friday in the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, this is a relaxed week uh, for
1: OKC. Um they they, they really need to, to to close the Chicago bull practice as soon as they um as soon as they can. I mean yeah. um they if they if they can pull that off on like Two three quarters <laughs> that would be optimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it on on their floor, so uh, hopefully they, if they are focused, I think there's, it's a no brainer. Uh, they will, uh, and, and especially if they sit both Melo and Adams, I think that they will do that. This team had like a, a good uh, mood in like in the last two games, so I think that they can carry that. Against Chicago and then prepare for, as you said, uh, the real matchup of this week. That I actually am really look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, even if uh, San Antonio is not at full strength, um, and um, but but the Spurs, like they all, they always played a good brand of basketball, and so playing against them is always a good test.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, they play the Spurs uh, Friday night at seven o'clock in San Antonio. They're on a two-game road trip. they could to play the Pelicans on Monday. So they're kind of on the road for... This is a really spread-out week, which is really good because next Wednesday they play the Golden State Warriors on November 22nd. And I just yep. don't think the Thunder are ready for them yet. And so it's good for them to get some games spaced out. They'll probably get some practice time in. Um, they'll get a lot of time to watch film um, before they play Golden State next week. Um, anything specifically about the San Antonio matchup that intrigues you?
1: Well, they play big, um, at least with the with the starters, and um, I I think they will try to put Melo on um, on Aldridge do <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, or or it depends how, how pau is is going to play because uh, like sometimes pau likes to, to to navigate outside the three point line and then if that is the case then probably melo will be more like better suited to to uh, to stay with pau Powell. but pau's size is so like he can use his size and so it's a really tough matchup because Aldridge is is great in the post and so you don't want to um, like to, to tie up Melo with, with that kind of matchup, and in, but in the same time, you really want to Adams to stay close to the basket, and so yeah. it, it, it's it's a weird conundrum. I will, I, I'm not sure what I would do. Probably, I would try uh, to, to to see if Melo can handle Pau first, and then if if everything is bad then Try to, to put Patterson in as soon as possible. Yeah. Because when the starters go goes on the bench, then there's no matchup problem for OKC because um, Laverne is not any good and uh, they play Rudy Gay a lot as uh, one of the two bigs. And so as soon as like the pau uh, Lamarcus uh, combination is off the floor, I think that uh, OKC has a good matchup with them.
0: Yeah, and I think the Thunder, I'd, I'd just like to see the Thunder try to dictate that matchup themselves. Mm-hmm and try to you know put Palgasol Gasol in like a bad situation over and over again on the offensive end and kind of target him a little bit uh, just because he is a lot slower than he than he was in the past and he's like, oh, a yeah. guy that you can exploit. And I would like to see the Thunder try to do that. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll see. The Thunder usually don't do that. They, they're not, I don't know, they usually don't dictate what's happening on the court. It feels like they're always reacting to the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that is super interesting. I think that they've got... I don't know what's wrong with Kawhi Leonard. Like, I don't know when he's coming back. Um, yeah, that's a weird situation. It is. And it's very spursy, in that, they just there's not a lot of information out there uh, about him and like when he's coming back or anything like that. And Tony Parker's still out. He's out until probably January or so. Uh, but this team continues to be like a pretty solid team, even without their two best players. And that's, you know, credit to Greg Popovich. They're 10th in net rating. Uh, the Spurs are seventh in defensive rating at one hundred one point four, and then their offense that you, you feel like this offense should be pretty terrible because they don't have their like best creator. And, and, but they're ranked better than the Thunder are 14th at fourteenth at one hundred four point seven. They're real, the Thunder and them are really close right now, but but yeah. still that's just really a testament to you know what Greg Popovich does to this team and the way they share the ball. Um, the way that they can plug in a guy like slow-mo to come off the bench and, you know, play starting minutes and, you know, run some of their offense. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, for as much as people hate on him, has been really, really nice this season. Um, so, yeah, they and the Patty Mills is always Patty Mills. He, you know, is hot one night, not the other, but plays good defense. And um, yeah. they they just do a good job of just plugging in guys and, um, you know, always playing good basketball. Yeah, I mean
1: they—they are—they uh, they play a system, and the system is above everything, and uh, yeah. that is that has its advantage and its uh, weaknesses. But in the regular season, it is for sure an advantage, as we saw uh, last few seasons. Um, even without like a great roster, they are always, always there. Um, I think that this season, uh, like they they might a, uh, take a step back but just because uh, i thought they were taking a step back with kawaii uh, but it's not the case i mean they are just like a tad below where they are supposed to be without him so i'm i really expect that they they can close the season uh close the season as soon as they come back with a with a great record and oh like popovich plays like such a they, they, he makes them play like uh, such a sensational offense. I mean, they they know when to target Lamarcus with a pass. They know where and when to move. They're always uh, there. There's always mover move, movement. There's, there's never uh, a, a guy that stands in the corner. So it, it's really beautiful to watch. And um, I hope that the Thunder can 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 make a, like a good defensive impact against them because they are sneaky good on passing lanes. Uh, last night they, they did some. Like crazy, good uh, deflection and steals uh, on passing lanes, and that against the Spurs may, might actually work because the length of the Thunder uh, puts teams in trouble in terms of uh, creation, at least in the first uh, forty-three minutes of the game. Uh, the clutch, uh, it's it's another story, but
0: yeah. Um, what's interesting is that five thirty-eight predicts that the Thunder are still going to finish third um, yeah. ahead of the Spurs. Uh, which is entirely possible. The Spurs are eight and five. they haven't like blown the doors off um you know the their first few games of the regular season, so uh and and which is understandable they're missing qui leonard and um but yeah i I think a lot of people are just down on this Thunder team. they don't think they're any good, blah blah blah, they're not gonna mesh they the door's still open for them to be the three seed, which is like the ideal seed for them to be um mm. so they can you know miss the warriors in the second round so. Um, all is not lost, and a lot of it is because the Spurs team um, is without their best player, and uh, I just don't I don't see this team being like a sixty win team again. And, you know, in the Thunder, the Thunder may only have to win you know fifty to fifty three games to get that mm-hmm. three seed, um, just because there are a lot of teams kind of in the middle. In the Western Conference right now, and it may, you know, you may have like two, like 60 plus win teams, and then everybody, and then you have a bunch of 50 win or 40 high 40s win teams. So um, it's interesting to just kind of see how that's unfolding for for the Western Conference in general. But um, just the Spurs, just being able to beat the Spurs, and the Thunder have been able to do that um, Mm -hmm. over the years because they have the length and athleticism that the Spurs really lack. And yeah, um, you know that they always play well, and Russ typically plays really well against the Spurs as well. So I think it would be a good confidence booster for this team to be able to you know pull off like a what like a five game win streak before they play Golden State, which is entirely possible. Like they should beat the Bulls on Wednesday, they should beat the Spurs on Friday. Um, they have a day of rest in between, and so they get to play the Spurs. You know, in a pretty good spot for OKC, they should. I don't really know what the status of Stephen Adams is, um, but you'd think that with just a calf contusion, like he could be able to come back with the treatment that he's getting, You know, at least you know by Golden State, if not by Friday with San Antonio. Uh, then they play the Pelicans on Monday. Uh, That's a hard matchup, I think. It's a really interesting team, uh, mm-hmm. and it will be really tough if they don't have Adams that night. Yeah, And, and, oh, I, yeah. and I think that... If anybody's going to force Mello off, fl- off the floor you know, really quickly, it's probably this team uh, probably mm. going to require you to put in a, a Jeremy Grant or a Patrick Patterson or somebody like that uh, pretty quick because I just don't know that Mello can hang uh, with Anthony Davis, which is a very obvious statement after I just said it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, back a second uh, with San Antonio, they had their losses against uh, Athletic, Young and like sort of good defensive teams: uh, mm-hmm. Orlando, uh, Boston, uh, Golden State, uh, and Milwaukee, yeah. and also uh, one against Indiana. So the rationale could be uh, if you if you can put them uh, in trouble on the defensive side. Um, this team is la- still lacks of a, uh, of a good finishers, uh, except for Lamarcus. So I think they they have they have a true opportunity if they play defense to. Um, to put some uh, pressure on San Antonio's offense. And Mm -hmm. and, I mean, they they can score against San Antonio. Uh, They are a good defensive team because they are sound, but I mean, there's, if, if Kawhi is not back and back is, and it's not, it seem it doesn't seem the case. uh, Then the Paul George matchup could be like a nightmare.
0: Yes. Yeah, very much so. And you know, the, the Spurs have their two best wins are probably against Toronto um, and then they also beat Minnesota on opening night. So like, those are probably their best two wins. Other than that, you're mm. right. like, they've, they've lost to some, you know, highly athletic teams. Um, notably Milwaukee, like Milwaukee's like we, the Thunder played Milwaukee and you've kind of seen them sputter out of the gate a little bit. Milwaukee's not great. Um, and the Thunder mm. can be a better version of what Milwaukee brought the other night against the Spurs. Exactly. So, um, So you you kind of have hope that the Thunder can get it going. And if they can continue, you know, moving the ball and playing good defense like they have been, they were a lot more crisp over these last two games on the defensive end. And it's easier to be that way against the Dallas Mavericks, who just aren't a very Mm -hmm. good team. Uh, But still, I think that you can look. There's some positive signs for the Thunder team over the past two games. And, uh, you know, they can carry that momentum into Chicago. And then if they can do that, with San Antonio and the Pelicans and I feel like they're in a much, much better spot than you thought they would be, you know, going into Golden State next Wednesday.
1: Yep. I agree. Uh, again, uh, it, it will be a, a good game to, uh, to watch for sure, because they're like playing organized basketball is always fun. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I really hope for, for a good performance. Uh, like, If they win, great. But they—they at least they should play
0: the right way. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Anything else before we go? No, I think uh, we we we
1: said basically every like we we cover everything um, that happened or at least interesting that happened last last week. So.
0: I think we're good. Awesome uh, predictions. So we have yet to nail a prediction on the season. Uh, I think they're going two zero this week. What do you think? Um,
1: shall I see? Shall I say one one so that at least one of the two will <laughs> <laughs> is going to nail that? Uh, I'm not sure. No, I I hope I hope they go two zero. Uh, I wouldn't surprise for one one. So yeah. um, let's be
0: let's try to be bold and say 2-0. Yeah, I. I mean, they should beat the Spurs on Friday, especially if Kawhi's not back. So, um, But again, we don't know anything about Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> we don't know what, what is – I mean, I just assume he's not going to play. Um, but yeah, the 2-0 for the Thunder uh, heading into a really big week next week. Uh, and our, our Monday podcast should be a pretty big one because they've got, they got four games. They've got a back-to-back in Detroit and Dallas. Um, at the end of the week and they've got the the big one golden state on wednesday the day before thanksgiving so uh, michele thanks for joining us today we can follow you on twitter at mikey barrow we can follow your project at chart underscore side follow us on twitter at down to dunk Uh, tell your friends about down to dunk if you listen to us all the time and you know some other Thunder fans, let them know about to Dunk. Tell them to download it. Grab their phone and uh, hit subscribe for them on, on the podcast app uh, because we, that's how we get more listeners is you tell your friends. like This is how this podcast has become anything at all is uh, because of you guys, the listeners. So we, we appreciate you guys. Uh, if you listen to us three times a week and you really like our show and you haven't left us a five-star iTunes review yet, uh, we'd really appreciate that as well. Uh, be sure to take care of Andy's frozen custard, uh, as they take care of us, go eat some frozen custard and we will talk to you guys on a Wednesday.